Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. When signing a legal document, do you read through all of the fine print? I would guess that if I took a poll of the congregation this evening, probably many of you would say no. Maybe not a majority of you might say no. It's quite a tedious thing to read through all of that, that legalese and so hard to understand. Sometimes it's pages of it. It's sometimes it's impossible even to see. And so what do we do? We often just skip over it, and we hope that we're not signing anything that we didn't mean to sign. But what would a lawyer tell you? A lawyer would tell you, don't do that. Probably warn us, the devil is in the details. Be careful, because you might be signing something that you didn't want to sign. Got another question for you this evening, though. What do you do when you come across a list of names in the Bible? Lists like we have in our text for today. Is that something that you skip over as you read through the scriptures? Maybe like that legal language, it's just too hard to understand or too hard to pronounce. Maybe you just don't really understand why it's even there, what it means for you, and you skip over it. I'm not going to come to you tonight and tell you the devil's in the details, so be careful. But instead, would encourage you to pay attention to such things and to understand they're useful for our learning and to see quite often the deliverer is in the details. So many of those lists contain so much information concerning our Messiah and concerning our salvation. Well, this evening, we begin a sermon series on the genealogy of Christ recorded in Matthew chapter 1. The title is, The Deliverer is in the Details. This evening's segment focuses on Jesus' genealogy from Abraham down to Jesse. Now, I'd like to read that for you now from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, Many people maybe aren't that excited to study family history and their family tree. It's a lot of names and it's, it's a lot of dates and what's the point of it all? Now some people are very interested in those things. In fact, I've heard that the older you get, maybe the more interested you are in your, only, your own family tree. Maybe that's true. Whether you're interested in studying your genealogy or not, there is a lot of interesting things that you can find out about yourself and about your family. 
You can maybe learn interesting stories about family members from generations ago and things that they did. You can learn about who they were and where they came from. And maybe those things can be interesting to you because they maybe explain a lot about your own traits that you have, your own family customs, and so much more. This evening, as we take a close look at Jesus' genealogy, especially this section between Abraham and Jesse, we do see that the deliverer is in the details, the son of Abraham. That deliverer is the seed promised to Abraham, and that deliverer is also the savior of the entire world. Unlike some genealogies of Jesus recorded in Scripture, this one begins with Abraham. It maybe seems a little bit curious to us. You know, why not start with Noah, or why not go all the way back to Adam? Start right in the beginning there. Why pick up at Abraham? Well, it seems that what Matthew wants to draw our attention to is the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Abraham. That promise was first given to him in our lection for this evening that was already read for you. But I'll read a portion for you again. As God spoke to Abraham, he said this, Get out of your country and away from your relatives and from your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who dishonors you. All of the families of the earth will be blessed in you. Those are some pretty big promises for God to make, that he'd make Abraham into a great nation, and in fact, Abraham would be a blessing for all of the families of the earth. We might wonder how any of that could be fulfilled. You think about that that first promise that God would make Abraham into a, a great nation, At the time he made that promise, Abraham had no children, and his wife Sarah was barren, and she was getting up there in years, 65 years old. It seemed hard to believe that God would fulfill that promise that Abraham would have many descendants, be a great nation. But what did God do? Even though God waited patiently to fulfill his promise, God did fulfill it. We can think about how years later, 25 years later, God finally blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son, Isaac. But Isaac, even as he grew up, grew older, as he married Rebekah, we aren't told that they had many descendants. They had twin boys, Jacob and Esau. You might wonder, well, how was God fulfilling his promise to make Abraham's family a great nation? Well, it finally comes in Jacob, doesn't it? As Jacob has 12 sons, now, now we're on to something. Now we have a start, right, of this great nation that Abraham's going to become and his family line. And they have many offspring. And it's incredible to think about how God preserved that family so that they could grow bigger and bigger into that great nation. How he watched over them, even in the land of Canaan. And even when there was famine, God provided for them in Egypt. And he brought them there to continue their lives there. Eventually, they fell into slavery as the Egyptian people started to oppress them, but again, God delivered and rescued them, brought them through the wilderness to the promised land. God was watching over them, fulfilling his promise every step of the way. But what about that other promise, that other big promise God made to Abraham 
that he would make him a blessing to all of the families of the earth. That seems like a, a pretty big promise that someone could have such an effect on the entire world. How could that be, especially since Abraham was called by God to move to a strange country where nobody knew his name? Well, God repeated that promise in Genesis 22 using different words. He said this. As he spoke to Abraham, he said, In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he gives a, a hint there to how that promise would be fulfilled. That Abraham would be a blessing to the entire world through his seed, a singular seed, a singular descendant. It reminds us of a promise that God made many generations before Abraham to Adam and Eve way back in the garden. After they fell into sin, as he spoke to Satan and he said this, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, God was drawing Abraham's attention back to that earlier promise of the seed, the descendant that was to come, that would come and destroy the power of the devil and the punishment that he threatened mankind with for their sin. Now, when we think of discussing our family tree, we probably think about maybe grandma and grandpa or great-grandma and grandpa sitting around telling us stories of things that happened in their lifetime or things that happened to their parents or their grandparents and so forth, telling those tales, telling us family history, right? I'm sure that Abraham did a lot of that as he shared that with his descendants and his descendants after him. But they also shared something else, not just what happened in the past, but they shared what was going to happen in the future. They shared the promise. The seed is coming. The seed is coming through the line, through the line that, that God has, has given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Through their line, a descendant is going to come who is going to be a great deliverer for God's people, one who will deliver them from their sin. Now, sometimes we maybe forget this about God and his deliverance. We can often think about God as the one who watches over us, preserves our lives, provides for us, helps us when we're in trouble and need. The one we go to in prayer when we're in the midst of a crisis and we ask that he intervene to help. But how often do we come to him with our sin? It can be easy to forget about that, how much we need him concerning our own sin. So often we're just focused on all the symptoms, aren't we? All of the brokenness that we see around us in the world, maybe the way that others have acted towards us, or the bad things that happen as a result of living in a world tainted by sin. But we can overlook our own. We can maybe point our finger at everyone else and everything around us and say that they're to blame. That if we were just rid of them, everything would be perfect. We would be completely happy. But the truth is, we would again find ourselves unhappy because of our own sinful nature 
our own sinful nature that's so destructive in our own lives and in our own relationships. But God came to give his people hope. He wanted to give them hope, hope of lasting happiness forever. And so God foretold a seed, a descendant that was to come. God, in fact, throughout Israel's history, many times, on many occasions, really explained to them the way in which this seed would come and deliver his people. We can think of even to Abraham, how when God called Abraham and told him that he was to offer his son Isaac to him as an offering, what did God do? He stopped the hand of Abraham before he was about to plunge the knife into his son, and instead... There was a ram that God provided, a ram who took his son's place, an offering that could be given in the place of his son. We think of the sacrificial system that God established at Sinai, how he told his people that the way that their sin could be atoned for was through the shedding of blood, that they were to bring animals and to offer them, and their blood was to be shed, and through that, his wrath and his punishment would be satisfied for their sin. All of that was pointing forward to the great seed, the great deliverer who was to come to deliver his people from their sins. But not only them, but the entire world. You know, if we go through these list of names, there's probably a lot that we know about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even Judah. We probably know quite a bit about him. But for the rest of the names, we maybe don't know so much. It's maybe interesting to note a few things about some of the things that the Bible records concerning some of the others. It's kind of an interesting anecdote about Perez and Zerah when they were born, that Perez apparently first stuck his hand out of his mother's womb, and the, the handmaid that was helping put the string around his hand, and he pulled it back, and he was born second. Or we can think about some other stories recorded in the scripture. For instance, Nashon is mentioned in Numbers chapter 7, giving a special offering to the Lord. We also hear that his daughter married Aaron, the first high priest. And there's others as we think about Herez, Ram, Aminadab, Solomon, and Obed. We have no special stories to connect to those names, but it is important to note that those names are also included in other lists of genealogies of the Christ, showing that those are accurate. We do know perhaps a bit more about Boaz. He was the one who cared for Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and even went out of his way to marry her. We know a little bit about Jesse and his sons and how the prophet came to anoint the next king. And none of them were the one. He had to run out and find David. It's a lot of little stories and anecdotes that could be mentioned, maybe even concerning many of these characters. When thinking about our own genealogies and own family trees, there are certainly interesting stories that could be mentioned and maybe draw a smile or draw our interest one thing that we also want to know about is where we came from, don't we? There's many people today that will actually do tests, DNA tests, to find out exactly where their ancestors came from. Maybe they heard from grandma and grandpa that the family's from Norway or Germany or some other European country or Asia or Africa and so forth, but 
How interesting to find out would to be if, if we discovered we had an ancestor who was Native American or a Pacific Islander. Maybe it would help us understand why we have the traits we do or the special traditions our family does. It could help us understand more about ourselves. Well, looking through this list, there's one thing that definitely jumps out to the reader. That's the women. The women jump out to the reader because women normally weren't included in genealogical records for the Hebrew people. We might ask that question, why were these names included? In our lesson for today, we have names of three women in this short list. And in fact, if you go through the whole list, there's a total of five women listed, four by name, one is referred to. We have these three women, though, tonight in our lesson, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Now, we could spend a lot of time maybe talking about the sketchy background of, of Tamar or also of Rahab. We'll spend more time talking about such things next week. But thinking about those three women in particular, perhaps the one thing that connects them is that they're foreigners. Now, we don't know for sure concerning Tamar, but we do know for sure concerning the other two with certainty that they were for sure foreigners, so not from the bloodline of Abraham. And that's interesting to note. It's especially interesting to note when we think about that promise made from Abraham to Isaac, right? Abraham had another famous son by the name of Ishmael, but he wasn't included as part of the promise. Then even Isaac, he had those sons, Jacob and Esau, but Jacob was the son of the promise, not Esau and his family. And then in our list for today, we hear about how Jacob had a son, Judah, but then it also mentions specifically, and his brothers. So it certainly mentions them as included as part of that family or the children of Israel, as we call them, the the sons of Jacob and their families, they're all part of that great nation that God had promised and beneficiaries of the promise that he had made concerning the seed. We might wonder if that promise, though, is only for that exclusive club of people, that group that shares that bloodline. How important to recognize, though, these foreigners listed in the genealogy of Christ. And we can think back to that story when the children of Israel were about to enter into the promised land. They sent out spies to that first city that they were to take, the city of Jericho. And the two spies went into the city and they were being detected. Thankfully, a prostitute by the name of Rahab took them into her home. And she confessed to them that she knew about their God. She knew about the Lord. She had heard what he had done, how he had parted the waters for his people to let them through how they had defeated great kings before coming to Jericho, and she trusted that the Lord was God. And she went out of her way to even risk her life to hide those spies. Afterwards, she asked the men to preserve her life because she was certain that the Israelites were going to take the city. And they didn't say to her, no, no, you're not one of us. We can't make any promises. No, they swore by the Lord God. They swore that they would preserve her life and the lives of her family members. But because her name is in this list tonight, we know that it wasn't just her life that was spared, but even her soul. 
because we know that she must have joined the group of the Israelites, she herself marrying into their number and even becoming part of this family tree for the coming seed, the coming Messiah. We think about Ruth as well, how Ruth so faithfully followed after her mother-in-law, Naomi, Now she made that bold promise, where you go, I will go, and where you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people, your God will be my God. She recognized that the Lord was God, her God, and she followed her her mother-in-law. She went to Bethlehem, and we hear that she too was brought in to the children of Israel, brought into the family, even though she was from a different country and had different blood. This is very comforting to us today, especially when we recognize that many of us do not have blood that we share with Abraham's family. To know that we too can be included in their number. This brings us back really to God's promise to Abraham. That promise that I mentioned at the very beginning of this sermon from Genesis chapter 12. Remember what God had said. God that said that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Not just his family, but all families. Your family, my family, blessed through Abraham because of his seed that was coming. The great descendant who had come, not simply to preserve for us things in this life, not simply to rescue us from earthly enemies, but to rescue us from the greatest enemy of all, from sin, death, and hell, that this descendant would come for you and for me. And we can know that we too benefit from him by faith. We too are delivered from those terrible things. We too are blessed and enjoy happiness forever in the Lord knowing the promises that he has given to us in Christ. Yes, perhaps studying genealogy isn't for everyone. Maybe some consider it a a little bit boring. This evening, I hope you learned something concerning Jesus' genealogy, especially as we think about that promise made to Abraham, that promise passed down from generation to generation of the seed that was coming. But to know that seed was Christ and that he is ultimately the Savior, not just for the people of Israel, but for you and for me, for all. That in him, God delivers us from our sin. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen. At this time, we will collect our offerings. Please take this opportunity to fill out the friendship register in your pew.